Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Well, today we are continuing our study with the title of Watch Your Mouth. And I'm not going to do a whole lot of review because I still have quite a bit to cover and I really want to kind of move forward. But exactly where we left off last week was I was encouraging everyone here, if you happen to have any access to children, whether they are children that are your own, that you are rearing, or grandchildren, or perhaps you're a caregiver to children, that you have an awesome responsibility. And it's a responsibility that God entrusted just to you. He could have entrusted someone else, but he chose you to do it, which means you're up to the particular challenge. And I'm not gonna go into great detail. Of course, the CDs are always available to you. Um, Periscope is available to you, so if you missed last week, you can always just go back there. But the thing that I want us to remember and never forget is every single person, even all of us, because we're really giant children, all of us are seeking validation or approval. I mean, we know that when this journey is done and we've transitioned, what do we want to hear? We want our Heavenly Father to say to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant, well done. That's validation, that's what we want to hear. So our young people, and I, I'm gonna put a slash there, it's young people, but you know what? The thing that they don't tell us when we have children, and this is something that I, I think maybe if they did tell us some people wouldn't have children, is that your responsibility as a parent never ends. You may have a child that's 80 years old. I mean, all things being equal. Once you become a parent, it is a never ending process. You will have your children call you. You know, my 40 year old calls me daily. It's almost sometimes like I think she's four, not because she's not saying, you know, like a four-year-old, but she's that dependent on what she hears come out of my mouth. So the point that I'm making is that responsibility of parenting, that wisdom that we impart to them, that never leaves. That responsibility is not over. So we need to embrace that, understand that, and encourage them. It's so important. And the thing that, and I stressed this last week because they're looking for love, but they find their love first and foremost really from their parents. I mean, we're the first people that they meet when you think about it. So as Christians, we really have good news that we can share with them because we can share the fact that we are joint heirs with the Most High God and Jesus the Christ. We can share that with them. And you can start sharing that with them in the cradle. You don't have to wait until they're 40 to share that, okay? We need to let them know that, that as a Christian, you are bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Your ransom has already been paid. You've been adopted by God. Not only have you been just accepted, but he adopted you. And he loves you unconditionally. He loves you in a way that we can't even totally comprehend. It is just that overwhelming. And 
If we take on that responsibility and we choose to share and impart this goodness into the children or grandchildren or the people that we are caring for, then we have to watch our mouths. And the other thing is, and I shared this with you, and this is important, that children, even us at our age, if you are still blessed to have your parents with, you know, with you still here, you have a responsibility to them as well. Be careful with the words that you speak. Because you know, sometimes we don't realize it. But our parents may have said something to us when we were young, and they might not have realized what they were saying. Because to be quite frank, everybody doesn't, everybody didn't grow up in the teaching ministry of Apostle Frederick Casey Price. Everybody didn't grow up with the word. So a lot of things were said by our parents that once they came into the knowledge of the word, they would have preferred to take it back. But those things had already been said. So the point is, we have to be careful because sometimes if we're being authentic, and you know with me, I always want you to be authentic. Sometimes we are harboring those things still and we don't, you know, it, it's not maybe in, in our conscience mind, but it's in our subconscious. And when we go to speak to them, we give them little snide remarks, you know. For instance, I know of a young person who grew up in a household where they did not have any artwork on the walls. Now, believe me, that's not a big problem, okay? But for this young person, as she got older, she kind of resented the fact that her single mom didn't have artwork appearing all over the walls. Now, that single mom was working two jobs just trying to make sure that there was food in the child's mouth. So artwork was not it. It was more, you know, the basic things. Well, this child got older, and you know she was able to do well thanks to the hard work of her mother and she was able to get her own little place and she filled up the walls with all of this artwork so her mother came over and I happened to be there that day and she didn't I don't think she meant it but she was like oh I was complimenting her on how nicely she had her place arranged and everything and she says, well, yes, notice that I have artwork unlike what I didn't have when I grew up. Now that hurt her single mom to the core because it wasn't that her single mom did not want her to have the artwork on the walls, but it was the best that she could do. So I say that and use that as an example because if you are still blessed to have your parents with you or your caregivers with you that took care of you, remember, I like to believe they did the best they knew how to do for you. Sometimes they may have missed the mark, but be careful, watch your mouth with what it is that you say to them and treat them with honor and treat them with respect because God will honor you for doing that opposed to the other way around. We must keep in mind that if we're not careful, our words can be downright abusive. There was another young lady who's actually an acquaintance of one of my children who this child, if you see her, she might be 100 pounds, maybe, that's pushing it, okay? Maybe if she put on some sneakers and some other stuff, she might reach 100 pounds. She is so subconscious. If you give her a pickle to eat, she's sitting there trying to figure out how many calories is in this pickle? Is this gonna be okay? I mean, she's stressed. And she's a healthy person, pretty much. I mean, 
everybody wants to feed her. <laughs> but, but the point that I'm making is, you know, my daughter asked her, why are you so stressed like this? Because it just doesn't make logical sense. And she said, well, when I was growing up, from the time I was like two and three years old, I was always called chubby. And my father always teased me and said that I was always roly-poly and round. Now, those, he might have meant it jokingly, but that's why Christians should never joke. Because when you speak, there's power in your words. Those words have this child that's almost 30 years old not being able to live her life with pure joy because she's haunted by the words that had been spoken to her. So we have to be very, very careful that when you are speaking to a person, and it doesn't even have to be somebody that you're giving care to, it could be somebody that you're sitting next to right here. When you are speaking, you are imparting substance into their life. And you wanna make sure that what you are imparting is what God would have you do, not something that you just, you know, come off the top of your head with. We must control how our words are conveyed. Please turn with me to Proverbs, the 29th chapter. And this is exactly where we ended last week. Proverbs, the 29th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 20. And looking at it out of the King James Version, the New King James Version, and I want to say this, because when I did this lesson, there are a lot, there's a lot of scripture that I came up with. I, it's nice and I'm sure it's good if I can start out with the New King James Version because that's the version that most people have. But because I did not, some of the, the versions that I chose, I chose them because I thought they were the best. So I might not always start out with the New King James Version. But I want you to understand this. You will, will meet in the same place no matter what version you have. So it's okay. If you want to meditate on some of the other translations, just jot them down, you know, on the bulletin or something. And when you go home, you can then go ahead and, and go over them, okay? So I'm not going to always start with the New King James Version, but that's why. I don't want you to think I'm, you know, slighting you. That's the only reason why. So with that being said, if we look at Proverbs 29, 20, it says, do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If we look at it in the Amplified, because you know I like that because of the qualifiers it gives, it says, do you see a conceited man who speaks quickly, offering his opinions or answering without thinking? There is more hope for a thick-headed fool than for him. It qualifies what type of fool. This, in this version, it's telling you it's a thick-headed one. The easy-to-read says there is more, more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And the message says, observe the people who always talk before they think. Even simpletons are better off than they are. Now, I am sure we know people who just speak hastily without thinking first. They just come, they have no filter, just whatever's on the top of their brain, they just spew it out. And we may have sometimes been caught doing that ourselves. Based on what we just read, we don't ever want to be considered worse than a fool. Turn with me to Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew 15 and verse 11. Matthew 15 and verse 11. Are you there? Okay. This I'm going to share with you first out of the Amplified, and it says, 
It is not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles and dishonors him, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles and dishonors him. Which is why you can always, you hear me often say, you can always locate someone how? By their conversation. What comes out of their mouth will tell you a lot about who they are. If you look at this same verse of scripture in the easy to read version, it says, it is not what people put in their mouth that makes them wrong. It is what comes out of their mouth that makes them wrong. And then the expanded really breaks it down for it says, it is not what people put into their mouths goes into the mouth that makes them unclean, pollutes, defiles the person. It is what comes out of their mouths that makes them unclean, pollutes, defiles the person. Turn with me to Psalm 34. And we're going to look at the 13th verse. Psalm 34, the 13th verse. And this is one that many of you probably already have heard of or know. In the New King James Version, it says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. If we look at it in the Living Bible, it says, then watch your tongue, keep your lips from lying, which is pretty clear. The message says, guard your tongue from profanity and no more lying through your teeth. And then the easy to read says, then avoid saying anything hurtful and never let a lie come out of your mouth. That's really very strong, but it's very clear. So keep in mind, the Bible is written to whom? To believers. Point being, God knows that we must control our words. Now, this might be a surprise to you, but some Christians have foul mouths and some Christians can curse just like unbelievers. The difference, however, is discipline, control, and obedience, just to name a few things. Deliverance from profanity is already available. It was part of your salvation package. If that is a challenge for you, exercise your faith and overcome it. Turn with me now, let's look at Ephesians. We're gonna look at Ephesians 4. And this is just wonderful because my clock isn't working at all. So I don't know how long I've talked, so we're just gonna be here for a little while. Okay, I'm like, really? Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 29. And we're gonna start with the New King James Version. And it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, I'm just going to pause there for a second. Because, again, if we are being truly authentic, and I mean authentic where it's just you and the Father, not where you're, you know, nobody's judging you. This is you going to judge yourself. How often have you done something like you could have been sitting right here in church and you see somebody pass you by and you are already thinking, mm, now I wonder what made her decide to come out and put that hat on today? Doesn't she know she would have looked better if she did blah, 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 blah? Or why in the world doesn't that man know he needs a mint? Why is he saying good morning to me without that? These are the little things. But the point is this. You might not say that, hopefully, out loud to anybody. 
but you're still thinking it. And here is the point. You've got to start arresting that because before you know it, that thought life, you'll get to a point, especially as we get a little bit older, because when we get older, we seem to feel as if we have the license to just say whatever it is we want. Okay, meaning my mother-in-law, I love her dearly, she's a very sweet woman, she's 93, she has no filter at all. She will just come and tell you the hat is terrible, you should have never put it on, you should have never bought it out the store. Nobody asked her to say that, okay? But she just feels, I guess, that she can do it because she'll turn around and say, but I'm 93, so I guess that gives her the license. The point is, we've got to watch this. We've even got to watch how we're thinking because we don't want it to affect how we actually feel because before you know it, it might actually come out of your mouth. This same verse of scripture in the Amplified says, do not let unwholesome, here's the qualifier, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. Now, obviously, like I said before, God knows that this book is written to believers. Why would he put this here? He would put, he put this here because there are Christians who do still speak foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words. Okay, and he's letting us know that it should, this is not something that should ever come out of our mouth. But only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and, here's really important, the occasion. So that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Then the Living Bible says, don't use bad language. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are talking to. And what will give them what? A blessing, not all of this other foolishness. And then the message says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. I really like that. Our words should be gifts to others. They should be blessed with what we have to say. It is not always easy. However, the just do not live by ease but by faith. Turn with me to Proverbs, the 25th chapter. And we're gonna look at verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28. And the New King James Version says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Now this scripture is really, <laughs> It means a lot to me because my eldest son, I wrote this scripture down and put it in his pocket when he was three years old. And I wanted him to read it because he had a tendency at three not to have a filter and to talk a lot. I mean, he talks a lot now, but thank God he's grown <laughs> and he knows to before he speaks, but he just seemed to just constantly be talking. And I was like, this is going to be a challenge when you go to school because you're not going to be able to just behave because you're just constantly talking or they're going to look at it like you're not behaving. So I wrote the scripture down for him. But when you stop to think about it, we don't ever want to be that way because if you are that type of person, it explains it's like a city broken down without walls, which means you're not really protected that way if you're just constantly running off at the mouth. If we look at it in the Amplified, it says, like a city that is broken down and without walls, and what does it say? Leaving it unprotected. Is a man who has no self-control over his spirit. And what happens with that? He sets himself up for trouble. 
The message says a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Now just imagine that. Wherever you live, imagine living with no doors and all your windows are locked out, knocked out and you have nothing there. That's exactly what it's like when you don't watch your mouth and you just say whatever it is that you choose to say. No self-control actually makes you vulnerable, but here's the key. It opens up the door for the enemy to attack. That's what's really key. And we're not trying to help him. We already know he's going to attack us, but we know that we have authority over all of his ability. And one of the big ways that we can keep him beneath our feet is to watch our mouths. Turn with me to James. And we're going to look at James, the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to share this out of two different translations. James 3 1 through 10, because this really explains it very, very well. Are you there? Excuse me. Okay. So this is what the Amplified Bible says. Not many of you should become teachers serving in an official teaching capacity. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we, who are teachers, will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. For we all stumble in sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See, by comparison, how great a forest is set on fire by a single spark. And the tongue is, in sense, a fire, the very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members at that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and is itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way, for we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. That says a lot. Because think about it. We go to our Heavenly Father and we ask him 
for so many things. We ask him to give us the strength to make it through a day. We ask him for all of the different things that we want him to provide for us. We are constantly asking him things. How can we do that? And, you know, we, we make sure that we are, you know, we say our prayers all really nicely, you know, dear Father God. I mean, some people pray and it sounds like, oh my goodness, they may not be praying the word. Hopefully they are, but it still sounds wonderful. Then they'll turn around and let somebody jump in front of them in line somewhere and all all of a sudden the whole language changes and if they drive and especially if they drive in Manhattan the road rage is unbelievable and these are Christians born again spirit filled but some of the things that come out of their mouth and they think because they're in the car and you know none of us are around they can say whatever they want they are not saying the same words when they're talking to their father so the point though is we need to check that because we're always supposed to speak in a manner we are made in the image in likeness of God. How do you think he feels when he hears us speak not in line with his word? And it might not be that you're using profanity. It might be that you came up to have hands laid on you and we all got into agreement that you're healed. And then you walk out to get on the elevator and all of a sudden you have a pain and then you start sitting up and you're like, oh my goodness, my leg is hurting me. I don't know what happened. How do you think that makes him feel? You might as well have cursed. Here's why. We just got into agreement. You just asked for us to, to get into agreement for you to be healed. So then how dare you get out there and say something that does not line up with that. And I'm not telling you this stuff like I do not know what I'm saying. I'll tell you this. I don't know why he always has me reveal my life to you, but I guess it's because I love you. <laughs> uh, I went to bed at 1.45 this morning. That's not unusual. I woke up at four o'clock. That's not really all that unusual either. I don't really sleep a lot, but here's the thing. I woke up because I had a pain that hit my body that came completely out of nowhere. I got up and this whole side of my body did not want to cooperate. This leg did not want to move. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, Satan. You are not only a liar, this is not happening to me today. And I figured, okay, I'll get up, you know, have some water. Of course, I laid hands on myself. Went to lie back down again. Could not even rest because the pain, I mean, this pain made no sense. I, I cannot even begin to explain to you. This is how crazy it was. So I just decided around 5.45 to just get up. It's like, what is the point of being here? And I started walking the length of my house. I was literally kind of walking like this, dragging this leg, because the leg did not want to lift. You see how it's lifting? It didn't want to do that. I did not even tell or speak to my husband about it. He's hearing about it now because I refuse. I mean, and the enemy, you want to talk about thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, which is why you need to come out on Thursday night. We're doing a really good series. But he started telling me, you might want to call Baltimore because you might not be able to minister this morning. I'm like, you are really tripping, okay? And then he's like, well, you can always minister from the floor. You're not going to get up on the platform because you're not going to be able to get up on these steps. I was like, first of all, this is totally unacceptable. 
this is not something that I will receive. And this pain, wherever it came from, you will go back because you will not take a residence in my body for why I am the righteousness of the Most High God. And I have something to do today. The Lord is using me to meet the needs of his people. You will not dare stop that. And I went ahead and did whatever it is I had to do. And you see, I'm standing here, don't you? And you know what? This leg is working. I am moving, okay? The point that I'm making to you is I am not sharing something that I do not apply in my life. This is real. The warfare is real. But so is the victory. We just have to know. See, sometimes the reason why people don't receive the manifestation of their healing is because they don't believe that they are entitled to it. Or they don't believe it's real. They're still looking at this as some kind of spooky, mystical, whatever. You speak to your body. I spoke to this leg and I told it you will function. And it is. The point is, you've got to mean it. And if you do, watch your mouth with what you say, you will see things manifest in your life. I promise you that. Because the word promises you that. Now we're going to look at this same James 3, verses 1 through 12 out of the message. Because the message really puts it clear. And it says, don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. And that includes pain. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. But our speech, by our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear water, are you? So obviously, the answer is no, you're not. So if we want to, in fact, have a victorious life, then we're going to have to make sure that everything that we can do lines up with the word, and that includes the words that come out of our mouths. Let's not fool ourselves by thinking that inappropriate words are only spoken by unbelievers. 
If that were the case, then every Christian would be choosing their words in conjunction with the word of God, and it would be quite evident in their lives. I would like to believe that we're choosing to work on this area of our lives. I also recognize that this is, in fact, a process. One thing that I do know is that you cannot be pleasing in God's sight if you don't choose to work on this. Turn with me to Colossians, the third chapter. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. Colossians 3, verses 6 through 8. And starting with the New King James Version, it says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. If we look at it in the Amplified, it says, because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? Those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. And in these sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. But now rid yourselves completely of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. The message says, and what kills, and that, let me start, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Hmm. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good, bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Now let's look at Psalms Psalm 50, because this puts it really nicely too. Psalm 50, and we're going to look at verses 16 to 23. Now, this particular psalm is written by Asaph, who was a Levite choir leader, and he's the writer of this particular psalm as well as Psalm 73 through 83. So for those of you who take notes, that's another little tidbit that you might want to know. So, Psalm, because sometimes people think the whole book of Psalms was written by David, and it wasn't. So anyway, this particular Psalm, Psalm 50, we're going to start, I'm going to share it with you out of the Living Bible translation first. And starting with verse 16, it says, but God says to evil men, recite my laws no longer and stop claiming my promises. If you have refused my discipline disregarding my laws, you see a thief and help him and spend your time with evil and immoral men. You curse and lie and vile language streams from your mouths. You slander your own brother. I remain silent. You thought I didn't care, but now your time of punishment has come. I list all of the above charges against you. This is the last chance 
for all of you who have forgotten God before I tear you apart and no one can help you then. But true praise is a worthy sacrifice. This really honors me. Those who walk my paths will receive salvation from the Lord. And the easy to read puts it very simply, but God says to the wicked, stop quoting my laws. Stop talking about my agreement. Now I'm going to pause here. We're not wicked. We're his children. But here is the point. We need to make sure that the things that come out of our mouths line up with what it is that the word says. Because we are what? We're ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of our Father, the Most High God. So the same way that you would not want your children to go out and lie on you and tell the neighbors some garbage about you that wasn't true, do you think the Father wants us to do that? No, he doesn't. So therefore, we've got to make sure we're paying attention to everything that it is that we say. Picking it up at verse 17. You hate for me to tell you what to do. You ignore what I say. You see a thief and run to join him. You jump into bed with those who commit adultery. Now, we don't want to talk about that, but there are Christians who do that too. We say evil things and tell lies. You sit around talking about people finding fault with your own brothers. When you did these things, I said nothing. So you thought that I was just like you, but I will not be quiet any longer. I will correct you and make clear what I have against you. You people who have forgotten God understand that I am telling you or I will tear you apart and no one will be able to save you. Whoever gives a thank offering shows me honor and whoever decides to live right will see my power to save. And the last place I'm going to read it to you is out of the message. And it says, next, God calls up the wicked. What are you up to, quoting my laws, talking like you, we are good friends? You never answer the door when I call. You treat my words like garbage. You find a thief, you make him your buddy. Adulterers are your friends of choice. Your mouth drools filth. Lying is a serious art form with you. You stab your own brother in the back. Rip off your little sister. I kept quiet, kept a quiet patience while you did these things. You thought I went along with your game. I'm calling you out on the carpet now, laying your wickedness out in plain sight. Time's up for playing fast and loose with me. I'm ready to pass sentence and there's no help in sight. It's the praising life that honors me. As soon as you set your foot on the way, I'll show you my salvation. I love it. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, and we're gonna look at verses one through seven. Ecclesiastes five, verses one through seven. And let me know when you're there. Okay, I'm going to share this out of the Living Bible first. As you enter the temple, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Don't be a fool who doesn't even realize it is sinful to make rash promises to God. For he is in heaven and you are only here on earth. So let your words be few. Just as being too busy gives you nightmares, so being a fool makes you a blabbermouth. So when you talk to God and vow to him that you will do something, don't delay in doing it, for God has no pleasure in fools. Keep your promise to him. It is far better not to say you'll do something than to say you will and then do not do it. 
In that case, your mouth is making you sin. Don't try to defend yourself by telling the messenger from God that it was all a mistake to make the vow. That would make God very angry and he might destroy your prosperity. Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness and there is ruin in a flood of empty words. Fear God instead. Hmm. That to me says a lot. But I'm going to share it with you out of the message. And it says, watch your step when you enter God's house. Enter to learn. That's far better than mindlessly offering a sacrifice, doing more harm than good. Don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to hear. God's in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. Overwork makes for restless sleep. Overtalk shows you up as a fool. And we've all heard that. Sometimes you may think someone is ignorant, but then when they speak, they, re they remove all doubt. You know that they are. So it's the same thing. We don't want to just talk so much that we look like a fool. Um, verse four, when you tell God you'll do something, do it now. God takes no pleasure in foolish gabble. Vow it, then do it. Far better not to vow in the first place than to vow and not pay up. Don't let your mouth make a total sinner of you. When called to account, you won't get by with, sorry, I didn't mean it. Why risk provoking God, provoking God rather, to angry retaliation? See, sometimes we wonder why things are going awry in our life. Maybe it's because of some of the things we've said and not backed up what we've said, not kept our word. God keeps his word and he expects that we should do the same. But sometimes we don't. We promise him all kinds of stuff and then don't do it. And then we're wondering why things are not going smoothly. Watch your mouth, <laughs> okay? Watch your mouth. But against all illusion and fantasy and empty talk, there's always this rock foundation, fear God. After reading it, this particular verse in Ecclesiastes, it's really clear that it's simply not enough to attend Sunday service and weekly Bible study to nurture your relationship with God. It is also important to keep your word when you speak to him and make it a point to watch your mouth. Do not become as a heathen and promise God that you will do this, thus and so, and then not carry it out. And then, of course, again, like I said, wonder why you're not victorious in your life. Things like, I just got a new job and it's paying me really well. And I promise you, Lord, thank you for this job. I am going to tithe each and every week. And you do that for about two months. Then all of a sudden, oh, I give an offering. That's oh, the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. You said that you were going to tithe and you said that to God. The point being is if all of a sudden you have an incident like I did, okay, where this pain hits you from out of nowhere, you want to be able to go to that same God and say to him, Father, you promised me in your word that healing belonged to me. You promised me that Jesus over 2000 years ago, he took the stripes. I am healed. So this pain must leave. Well, if I'm not doing what I promised him, I mean, he'll be merciful, but like, I don't know when that, you know, I'm not going to run that risk. The point is, if you have promised him, then you need to do it. It is better that you don't promise then if you're not going to live up to your word. Okay. The other thing is, and I love this because this is a little thing. 
and it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. This is so little. When we say we promise that we're going to be on time, okay, that's a real thing. I'm going to be on time, not a problem, okay? And especially if you are a leader, okay? Especially if you're doing something like you're in Ministry of Helps and you're supposed to be here on time to pray in the morning or, you know, or to do whatever preparation and, you know, you tell everybody you're going to be here by such and such a time and then you show up an hour later and you think it's okay and you come up with that same meal and meal, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, the train was late. Let me explain something to you. I live over 100 miles one way from here. If I get on a train to come here, it's two and a half hours. If my husband drives me, except for Sunday morning where he flies here and we don't have traffic and it's good, okay, it's still two and a half to three hours. If we can figure out a way to get here, I don't want to hear anything. I understand that the trains, because I come in sometimes and I know that they are doing some interesting things, but you know what? You need to have a backup plan or better yet, you need to make sure that you give yourself enough time to be here early if that's what the case. If that's the case, because other people are relying on you. So if you give your word, you are in the image and likeness of God. So that means that your word should be what? Your bond. So if you say you're going to be here at such and such a time, then you should. And here's the point. I'm not beating up on you because I am far from perfect. But here's the thing. If we can't work on something as little as that, then how are we going to work on the other things? So that's just a little thing. The other thing, and we just said this in communion, it's so important how we treat one another, how we walk in love toward one another. How are we doing that? Are we doing our best with that? Okay, or are we just kind of like hanging in there a little bit, maybe? You know, we need to really make sure we are. Here's why. Think about it. God is what? He is love. And if we are his children, then people should see us and the love should just be coming out of us. It should just be oozing out. If they're not seeing that, then we're not making a good representation. And I tell you this, if you can't walk along lovingly with your brothers and sisters that you see here, that means you're gonna have a hard time when you're out amongst the unbelievers. And if that's the case, what kind of ambassador for Christ are you going to be? Are you gonna want anybody to be able to come into the family of God by your representation? So it's something else. We need to think about that. Be authentic with yourself and realize that with God, you don't have to strike a bargain with him. You don't have to be like the heathens and say, well, if I do this, Lord, then you're going to do that. God loves you. He loves you beyond your imperfection. And you don't have to strike some kind of bargain with him. But just be authentic with him. Tell the truth. Do not lie. And just love the fact that you have a father who loves you so much. He only wants the best for you. He gave the best for you when he gave his son, Jesus. And we are gonna have to continue because I am out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, 
Walk by faith, not by sight.